What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to check out the podcast. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. We're covering everything. We had games last night. We have games tonight. We're covering it all. Here we go. has taken the NBA playoffs by storm. He has been arguably the biggest story the last two games. He's been insane. He's averaging 37 points per game, 7.5 assists per game, and 5 rebounds per game through this entire playoff run that is through 9 games. He has been nothing short of incredible. And the most incredible part of this is the efficiency of which he is shooting the basketball and putting up these numbers. He's shooting 62% from the floor. He is on another level right now, to say the least. Okay, him and Jimmy Butler have been incredible on their respective playoff runs, but can we please just slow down a little bit on this Devin Booker hype? People are beginning to put Devin Booker into this, is he a top five player conversation? Is he one of the five best players in the world and I just think that it needs to slow down. Let's look at last series against the Clippers. His team barely beats a Clippers team that that didn't have Paul George the entire series or Kawhi Leonard for most of the series. Yet they barely beat Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell. Let's just let's slow down a little bit. Last year, do you remember the the Dallas Mavericks series? All the trash talk, him lying on the floor, oh, I'm doing the Luka. And then they blow the lead. Do you remember the last two games of the series? In which, in neither game, did he shoot better than 35% from the field. And he didn't score more than 20 points in either game. In sports, basketball especially, we are really quick to crown guys. But, like, why is that? Like, Devin Booker, he's like, he's had two good games at home. They defended home court like they were supposed to. Okay, it's not like they went on the road to Denver and he did these things. It's not like this is the Western Conference Finals. It's not like this is the NBA Finals. Like, the stage isn't even that big yet. And we're already starting to do this. Okay, like it, and here's the thing, too. Like, it's not just him. Like, Kevin Durant's been awesome these last two games as well. We've just seen Kevin Durant do this, you know, for the last decade, and so we're not making as big of a deal of it. And the other thing, too, when we look at... The series against the Mavericks last year in which he really struggled. He didn't have Kevin Durant playing beside him. He didn't have the greatest scorer to ever pick up a basketball as his teammate. Drawing some of the attention away from him last year. He was the number one option for the Phoenix Suns offensively. Because you know Chris Paul has gotten older and he's taken a step back. And DeAndre Ayton just hasn't really turned into what people want him to turn into. So last year he was hands down the number one option. Defenses really only had to key on him. And he wasn't great. And now he's got, as I said, the greatest scorer ever playing alongside him that opens up the floor, and it just allows him to do more. There's less attention on him because of the greatness that Kevin Durant possesses. Okay, like, and as great as Booker has been, we just need to slow down. Okay? We need to see more than two games of him being absolutely absurd before we put him in the same conversation as 
Nikola Jokic, before we put him in the same conversation as um, Luka Doncic, before we put him in the same conversation as Kevin Durant. We have to see more than two games before we go crazy. And the thing with this series that I think is the most frustrating is that everybody's talking about Devin Booker and how great Devin Booker has been. But he's not the story. The story of this series should be Nikola Jokic. When it comes to individualized players, the story should be Nikola Jokic and how he's the best player in the world. Nikola Jokic, the second-round pick from Serbia, is the best basketball player on the planet Earth right now. Okay, he has gone toe-to-toe with not only Devin Booker, but also Kevin Durant. Okay, 53 points and 11 assists in Game 4. He's been incredible. Incredible. Facing off against two of the best scorers in the NBA. Two top 15, top 10 players in the league. He has gone blow for blow with them. And the series is tied 2-2. Two to two. And Game 5 is tonight. I'll tell you right now, I fully expect for the Nuggets role players to actually you know, shoot the ball well. They haven't done that these past couple day games. I don't expect for Landry Shamit to go 5 of 8 from 3 like he did in Game 4. The Nuggets are clearly the better team here. The question is that they can find a way to make life difficult on Booker or Durant. Because, look, when they combine for 70-plus points, it's going to be really hard to beat them. They don't have to stop both of them. They just kind of have to stop one of them. Okay, if they can just hold them to 60 combined points, they'll win the series. It's not that tall of an order. Okay, just hold them each to 30 points instead of letting one go for 45 and the other one go for 35. It's not that tall of an order. This is something that they should be able to do given the wing defenders and perimeter defenders that they have. Between Aaron Gordon and uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and uh, Bruce Brown and all these guys who are good defenders, they should be able to find a way to do this. Pair that with you know the role players and just you know a couple of threes. They don't even have to hit a lot of them because the Phoenix Suns have no answer, no answer for Nikola Jokic, who is once again the best player in basketball. No answer for him. Moving on to the other game five that's going on tonight, we have the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Boston Celtics. And here's a phrase I'm going to say that I never thought I would say during this playoffs. Um, James Harden is the reason why this series is tied 2-2. Two to two. He's played two outstanding games, and he's played two stinkers. James Harden, Anthony Davis, both deserve to be first-team all-yo-yo with how up and down that they've been playing in these playoffs. And I think that if you're a Celtics fan, you've watched these games, and there's a clear frustration because if you've watched every minute of these games like I have, and there shouldn't be a doubt in your mind, shouldn't be a single doubt in your mind that the Boston Celtics are the better team, that the Boston Celtics are more talented, and that the Boston Celtics should probably be up 3-1 to one. I don't know why Jalen Brown doubled off of James Harden there. Um, for James Harden to hit the, what ended up being the game-winning three in game four. I don't know why Marcus Smart took ten threes in game four. It's a major mistake. We're going to get more to more into Marcus Smart and the stuff that he's done for Boston in this playoff run here in a minute. But this Celtics team, they're clearly more talented than the 76ers, and they're clearly, in my opinion, the most talented team left in the playoffs, I don't think there's a roster left that matches up with the depth of the Celtics. And then they have two guys in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who can get stops and can get buckets. 
Pretty much it will. Okay, They have two of the best two-way players in basketball on their team, and they're, they're their two best players, and they're young, and so they've got legs, and you know they're not like the Lakers where Anthony Davis you know, can play great one game, and then he kind of has to take, take the next game off because he's got a lot of injuries, and you know they're not 38 years old like Chris Paul or LeBron James, and so because they're old, they just don't play as well from game to game because all the games are connected. And when you're young, you recover faster. That's just how it works. So that's like fatigue shouldn't be an issue with this team. Yet they have these stretches where they act like it's the regular season. And Marcus Smart takes too many shots. As I already said, he took 10 threes in game four. It's unacceptable. He needs to take no more than 12 shots a game. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Derek White should be the three guys with the most shot attempts every single game. Unless, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's on a burner or something, then maybe it's Tatum Brown and Brogdon. But either way, Marcus Smart should be nowhere near the top of shot attempts taken for the Celtics in any game going forward. And I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay, when Marcus Smart takes a whole bunch of shots, they're falling right into what the 76ers want them to do. That is, get the ball out of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's hands and let somebody else beat them. Because the 76ers know that they have the league MVP in Joel Embiid and, you know, a, a guy who can be great in James Harden and another really good player in Tyrese Maxey. And look, say whatever you want about the 76ers and Doc Rivers and the way that they coach, but they do a really good job of getting their best scores to basketball in good positions. Whether that's, you know, MB catching the ball at the free throw line, whether that's letting Maxie go one-on-one, whether that's getting Maxie the ball on the break, whether that's letting James Harden go one-on-one, whether that's getting James Harden into catch-and-shoot situations, whether that's letting James Harden run the screen and roll. They do a really good job of getting their best players in positions where they're comfortable enough to make plays for other guys and to score. And then the Celtics, it just doesn't feel like they do that as well. And that's why the 76ers are hanging around despite not being as talented as this Boston Celtics team. Now, to not be totally negative about the Boston Celtics, Al Horford and Grant Williams, they've both done an outstanding job of defending the league MVP, Joel Embiid. They just need, you know, the self-proclaimed three best defensive guards in basketball to defend Harden. Marcus Smart came out and he said, between me, Malcolm Brogdon, and Derek White, we are the best defensive guard trio in the NBA. We're the best. You are? Is that why James Harden went for 45 in game one? And went for 40-plus in Game 4? Really? That's that's an interesting statement, given what I've seen in this series. Look, let's just, let's just cut straight to it here. Like The Celtics, they are clearly the better team. They just have to show up and act like this is the playoff game for a full 48 minutes, and they will handily, handily beat the 76ers team. There's a reason why they've been double-digit favorites. In some of these games in this series, there's a reason why they're seven and a half point favorites tonight. Vegas isn't in the business of losing money. That seven and a half line is really good. We've seen Vegas do it over and over and over again. The way that they create lines is insane, and how accurate they are is incredible. There's a reason why they're favored. They've been favored in every game. There's a reason. And look, game five tonight is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Both teams. Going to really be going at it. We're going to see 
all the ba- the full bag of tricks from the 76ers, and we're going to see, hopefully, I, I think we're going to see, who knows, because it's the Boston Celtics, and they just kind of do whatever. I hope that we see full effort from Boston. You would think that we would, but who knows? We thought that we'd see that, you know, in, in game one, and they came out, and they were lazy, and they gave up 45 to James Harden, and they lost game one, and that's why they're in this position, because they didn't show up for game one. And then in game four, they had a chance to to win, you know, to go on the road and take another one and go up 3-1 and be able to finish it in five. And then Marcus Smart takes 10 threes, and Jalen Brown makes a very questionable decision and doubles Joel Embiid. And they don't call a timeout when they've I just, ugh. The coaching mistakes, the lack of attention to detail is a major red flag for this Celtics team, a team that a lot of people have put money on to win the whole thing. But we're going to talk about the Heat and the Knicks here next. And one of the great things that the Miami Heat do is they pay, they pay attention to all the little things. That's why they, as an eight seed, are probably going to play in the Eastern Conference Finals because they do all the little things. And look, if you do all the little things, that adds up to a big thing. And then you're able to beat teams that are more talented than you are. You're able to take advantage of these two or three minute stretches where maybe your opponent isn't as locked in as you are. That's a major issue for the Celtics. Major issue for the Celtics. We're going to take a short break. Then we're going to come back. I'm going to break down all the games, or both games from last night, Heat-Knicks game five, or game four, excuse me, and then Lakers-Warriors game four. We're going to take a short break, and I'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. The Heat beat the Knicks last night in game four to take a 3-1 to series lead over the New York Knicks. And Jimmy Butler, Hemi Butler, Playoff Jimmy, whatever you want to call him, continues to be amazing, and the Heat continue to get major contributions from a random role player every single night. One game it's Max Struess, the next game it's Bam Adebayo, the next game it's Gabe Vincent, the next game it's Caleb Martin, the next game it's Kyle Lowry, the next game it's Kevin Love hits two big threes. I mean, it's just this constant rotation of Miami Heat role players randomly playing well offensively. It's it's really quite incredible. And the defense, as we've come to expect from the Miami Heat, continues to be great. Unlike a lot of the other teams left in the playoffs, they have no defensive liabilities. right? Like when we look at Golden State, Steph Curry, a defensive liability. We're going to get to him here at some point. right? When we look at the Knicks, Jalen Brunson... Wouldn't quite call him a liability, but he's not a great defender. Lacks some size. When we look at the Boston Celtics, they really don't have anybody who struggles defensively. But still, there is nobody on this Heat roster that you can just isolate and say, we're going to go one-on-one with you, and we're going to get a good look whenever we want. Part of that is the athletes that they have. The other part of it is the coaching from Eric Spolstra. Arguably the best coach in basketball. Continues to press all the right buttons for this Heat roster. The Knicks, meanwhile, get outworked in Game 4. You can't give up seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter and expect to win. Can't happen. Julius Randle, your second best player, cannot turn the ball over six times and expect to win. You can't refuse to get back on defense and expect to win. It's all the little things. They aren't doing any of the little things. They aren't finishing possessions. 
They aren't taking care of the basketball. They turned it over 16 times in Game 4. 16 times they turned the basketball over. And this Miami Heat team, not great in a set offense. They haven't been all year. They shot the three ball the worst of any team in the NBA. And outside of Jimmy Butler, they don't have anybody who can go one-on-one and create looks for, for other guys. Okay, you want to, to make the Miami Heat slow the game down, put them in a half-court setting, and see if they can beat you. Especially if you're the Knicks, a team that is supposed to be good defensively, a team that's coached by Tom Thibodeau, one of the best defensive head coaches in the NBA. This is a team that should want to slow it down, make Miami play in the half-court. And they didn't do that. And you can't do that when you turn the basketball over 16 times. And the worst part is, when you do turn it over, nobody tries to get back on defense. Go back. Watch game four. Watch what happens. The Miami Heat turned the basketball over because they turned it over 13 times. The Miami Heat, they, they turned the basketball over. You watch all five guys sprint back on defense and try and prevent a layup. And then you watch... The New York Knicks turn the basketball over. And you watch one guy by the name of Jalen Brunson run back on defense. Meanwhile, everybody else stands down on the other end of the floor and just waits for the Miami Heat to make a layup. It's unacceptable. It's the little things. Okay, people wonder why the Miami Heat are making this push as an eight seed. It's because they do all the little things. And they continue to hit timely shots. They rebound both on the offensive end and on the defensive end. They defend. They play really good team defense as well as individual defense. They do all the little things. They take care of the basketball. And on top of that, they continue to hit timely shots. Okay, in game four, every time the Knicks pulled it within five, because it was a really close game. It, it was a really good basketball game. Every time the Knicks pulled within five, the Miami Heat hit a three. Or they got some big bucket and they pushed it back to seven. They push it back to eight. And then they get another stop and they come down and they score again. And next thing you know, they're right back up by 10. When they couldn't make a shot in the fourth quarter, when they started three of 15 from the field in the fourth quarter, they grabbed seven offensive rebounds. While Mitchell Robinson, a seven footer, the most athletic big man on the floor, only grabbed seven rebounds in 33 minutes. That's unacceptable. How does the biggest, most athletic guy on the floor only grab seven rebounds? And it's not like he's defending Kevin Love standing out on the perimeter. He's defending Bam Adebayo, who doesn't extend the game out past the free throw line. He's less than 12 feet away from the rim at all times, and he only grabs seven rebounds? That's that's unacceptable. And, like, that stat, perfect, perfectly sums up the Knicks this series. The little things, they aren't doing them. They walk into the building knowing that they're more talented than the Miami Heat because they're more talented than the Miami Heat. When you go player by player, if you list out you know, the top 10 players in this series, six or seven of them play for the New York Knicks. But they refuse to do the little things. If you want to win an NBA title, if you want to win a World Series, if you want to win the Super Bowl, if you want to win the Quiz Bowl, whatever you're competing in, you have to do the little things. And the Knicks refuse to do it. And it's so weird that a team coached by Tom Thibodeau 
isn't doing the little things because that's what they do. When when Coach Tibbs was in was in Chicago with Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and Carlos Boozer and Luol Dang and those guys, they did all the little things. That's why they were able to go toe-to-toe with the Miami Heat when they had the Heatles and they had LeBron James and they had Dwayne Wade and they had Chris Bosh and they were clearly more talented. The Bulls, coached by Tom Thibodeau, were able to go toe-to-toe with the Heat because they had one guy and Derrick Rose, who could go and score and create for other guys, and all the other guys defended and did the little things and hit timely shots. Reminds you a lot of this Miami Heat team. They got one guy who can go score, that's Jimmy Butler, and a bunch of guys who do all the little things and hit timely shots. This Miami Heat team's fun. They're going to give the 76ers or the Boston Celtics all that they can handle because I have no faith that the New York Knicks can come back from down 3-1. Unlike the Warriors who I do think can come back from down through one. But before I lay that out, let's talk about this series as a whole in Game 4 that happened last night. And look, it's L.A., it's San Francisco. It's LeBron James and Anthony Davis against the defending champion Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry and the greatest shooter ever. And that's all people want to talk about. Turn on ESPN. You know, first takes on, sports centers on, whatever. And it's all about Steph. Is Steph Curry the greatest point guard ever? The answer to that question is yes. Anthony Davis. Played great one game, he's down the next. Why is that? That's that's all they want to talk about. LeBron James. Doing a really good job of conserving his energy in the first half. And then really exerting it in the second half. This is how everybody, That's how everybody on ESPN talks, by the way. That's all the people want to talk about. And look, those are worthy storylines... And look, they're the stars, and I understand that people want to talk about the stars, but this series is not about the stars. The Lakers are not up 3-1 to one because Anthony Davis and LeBron James have played great. The Lakers are up 3-1 to one because they have consistently gotten major contributions from their role players, while the Golden State Warriors have not. Let's look at Game 1. D'Angelo Russell and Schroeder, combined, they both go for 19 points, combined for 38 for the game. That's a big difference. Game three, D'Angelo Russell scores 21 points in the first half. That was major, because if he doesn't do that, then, you know, the Warriors probably pull away, and that game's a little bit different. Game four, um, last night, Walker scores 15 points in the fourth quarter, and Austin Reeves scores 21 for the game, and Dennis Schroeder scores 10 on 5 of 9 shooting. They've gotten major contributions from their role players. Like, this is why the Lakers have won. They're very similar to the Miami Heat, who I just talked about. They've had some different role player in some games, role players, show up and play really well, and they've needed that because LeBron James is 38, 37, however old he is. And he can't do what he used to do. He can't go pedal to the floor for a full 40 minutes like he used to. Like, there's a reason why he only took one shot, or he didn't take any shots, excuse me, in the first quarter in Game 3, he's got to conserve his energy. He can only do so much. And he knows that he has to play defense against this team because this is a tough team to play defense against. And you exert a lot of energy chasing guys around screens and doing different things like that. Meanwhile, when we look at the Warriors, they haven't gotten much from anybody else outside of Steph Curry. Like outside of, like outside of Game 2, Clay Thompson hasn't been great. Their best bench player, you can make an argument, has been Moses Moody who's 20 years old in his second year. Draymond Green hasn't been great on offense. David Chinzo has missed open shots. Andrew Wiggins hasn't shot the ball great. 
And what I honestly think is going to happen is the Warriors are going to lose this series, and they're going to look back and they're going to say, man, we really should have put Andrew Wiggins back in the lineup as soon as we could have. We should have let him play four or five regular season games. That way when he entered into the playoffs, he was ready to go. You know, he'd worked out all the kinks. He was kind of back in shape. He was used to the speed of the game. I think they're really gonna, they're really regretting not plugging him back in sooner. And look, here's just the very simple truth. Steph cannot beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis, plus the two role players that decided to show up for the Lakers. He can't do that. As great as he is, he had a 30-point triple-double last night. Yes, I know he was 3 of 14 from 3, but I don't care. He was incredible the way that he controlled the game, the way that he found open teammates. I thought he was awesome. He can't play much better. He can't. Somebody else has to step up. And that's supposed to be Clay Thompson, the guy who has said that he has, quote, waited 12 years for this matchup. And he's crap in the bed. He's playing so bad. He's not shooting the ball well. He's not good defensively. It's a major issue. Clay Thompson has to show up. And if he does show up, then the Warriors can come back down, then they can come back from down 3 1. No doubt in my mind. This is a team that's won multiple championships. Championship pedigree, that matters. They're going to win game five. They're going to win game five. Anthony Davis is probably going to take the night off. Going to be a really similar game to game two, where, you know, he only took like 11 shots, only had 11 points. It's going to be really similar. Okay, the Warriors back against the wall. Probably going to shoot the lights out. I fully expect for the Warriors to win game five. Question is going to be game six when they have to go back to L.A. They have to play another one. <laughs> here's here's the hope that you have if you're a Warriors fan. They unlocked something offensively last night. Pulling Anthony Davis away from the basket, putting him in screen and roll worked really well. They got a lot of easy layups. They got a lot of open threes. Stan Van Gundy said it during the game. I believe it was the second quarter. He said that the Warriors were hitting a couple of threes away from really opening it up, and they just never hit them. They shot 29% from three last night. That is not normal for a Golden State Warriors team. Not normal at all. They got a lot of layups. The points in the paint were much better, much more balanced scoring. They just they, they got to make those open threes, which, I don't know about you, but this is, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And, you know, guys who can shoot the basketball. I have faith that at some point these threes are going to start going down. And if that happens, they can come back from down 3-1. They can. I don't think they will. I like the Lakers in six. The defense has been good, and the Warriors just can't seem to figure out a way to stop the other guys. Plus, the Lakers are going to make adjustments to how they defend the pick and roll. Um, there's a chance that they keep those in their pocket until game six as well, especially if you know they come out early and it doesn't look like Anthony Davis is entirely engaged. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Next podcast is either going to be Thursday or Friday. I'm looking for a guest to bring on to talk about the NFL schedule release. Obviously, we're, we're going to continue to cover the NBA playoffs because they've been so fantastic, and they're going to continue to be fantastic. And I want you to hear it all from me. I know you want to hear my opinion. That's why you come here. So once again, thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again with another podcast for y'all on either Thursday or Friday. If you want to hear more from me sooner, go subscribe to the YouTube page or YouTube channel, Shooting the Schmidt, spelled just how you spell the podcast. And I will talk to you guys again on Thursday or Friday. Thank you.